Well, good morning, everybody. We are in week seven of eight of our conversation about one another's, about loving each other well. What does it look like? What is it about? And Jesus, we, we all based on Jesus' one command in John of like, listen, this is one thing, this one command I give you, this new commandment to love one another, to love one another deeply, not just to love one another like, like everybody else loves one another, but to love one another like I love you, like the example I set for you. And then he went on to say that everyone will know that you are my followers. The measurement of how people will tell that you are my followers, the way that people will come to know God as you, my followers, is how you love one another. And so what we've done is we've just explored all these one another's in Scripture, all these places where, particularly in the New Testament, where the same Greek word for one another has been used as explanations of like, what, what's it like? What, what did they mean? What did the followers of Jesus say? This is what Jesus was talking about. This is part of loving one another well. So this morning, um, we're going to talk about sharpening one another. Now, Jesus had good reasons to tell us, like, this is really important. Because if you've ever been in an environment where people didn't love one another well, where there was anger and frustration and contention, like, you know that, like, personal growth is stifled in those environments, right? You don't want to show up to those environments. New people run away from those relationships. Great relationships are never formed in those environments. So when Jesus says that this is important, when he emphasizes it, when the New Testament writers write about it, there's reason for it because it creates the environment for us to become like him, to be changed by him. Now, I want to start today by just looking back at an ancient piece of wisdom where we got the title of the message of sharpening one another. Um, it's ancient, ancient, ancient wisdom. It comes from Proverbs chapter 27, and it says this. It says, sharpen one another. It says this, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, uh, when I was growing up, my grandfather used to sharpen knives. He was, a, he was an avid hunter, and so he believed every knife ought to be so sharp that you could cut yourself by looking at it, right? Like, I, I actually once, when I, I got my first deer, I had a hunting knife, and, um, oh, is this thumb? I can still see the scar. I cut my thumb half off just by when I was unsheathing it. Like, that's how sharp the knife was. Like, he just was committed to having sharpness. Now, here's the thing that he used to say he used to, all the time. He'd be like, there's no use using a dull knife where you have to work at it. A knife should just go through something. Like, you shouldn't have to use any effort. And this is the point of sharpening one another in our lives as followers of Jesus. We ought to sharpen one another. And in this context, we're going to look at in Colossians today. The point of it is that it ought to be more effortless for us to love one another because we sharpen one another. It's not the point is to grind it, grind something down or to make you more harsh. The point of it is that it ought to become effortless. Now, now in this couplet, so in Proverbs, often what happens, if you, if you read through wisdom literature like this, it feels a bit like someone was drinking too much and they just wrote random sayings, right? Like, it was like, dude, what is going on here? Why is there, like, right? Doesn't it feel that way? If you, you know what I'm talking about if you've read ancient literature. And so when you read wisdom literature, you should know that, like, there are little couplets in there. And overall, there's often, like, there's often a, a, a message, a, a theme that's running through it. And so when you look at this, iron sharpens iron sticks out, like, almost like it's just one of many different like wisdom, like I've got all this wise stuff to say and just keep coming out. But here's the rest of the scriptures in the same passage, and you're going to see how important this is. is. As iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. It goes on in verse 18. It says, the one who guards a fig tree eats of its fruit, and whoever protects their master will be honored. And then it says, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. 
And, and the message here is you need to sharpen one another because there's this, this idea that keeps coming back around to like guard the heart where there's fruit, where there's something fruitful that's going to grow. You should be guarding it. You should be taking care of it. And, and if you want to do that, if you want to take care of it in a relationship with each other, then you should be looking at the reflection. You need reflecting pools, places to reflect off your heart, off your life, and say, is there a gap? Is there a gap between what I think I am and what I actually am? Now, we all acknowledge this gap thing. You do it, in fact, you do it every day. You're always measuring gaps in your life. Let me illustrate. So in the morning, when you get up, how many of you leave the house without looking in a mirror? Does anybody get up in the morning and not use one of these? Huh? Okay. Why don't you, why don't you leave the house without using one of these? Because your ravishing good looks may have dissipated at night while you were asleep. And you want to make sure that they're still there in the morning, right? You're like, yeah, I want to make sure that they're still... I, you know, I'm careful because like, this is really annoying, isn't it? So, um, so you want to check this, right? Like this is what a mirror is all about. It's checking, how do I look? Like how's everything looking in there? You know? now, now fortunately, these ravishing good looks up here, like they stay the same all the time. Like there's nothing there to check anymore. But, but you get the point, right? Like if it's important for you to check this small thing, for check for a gap, in this small area of your life that makes no real large difference over your lifetime. How much more important is it in your walk with Christ and how you love other people that's going to build relationships? How much more important is it for you to check that, to really understand that? So this morning, I want to talk about this this idea of checking this reflection. How do we sharpen each other but checking this reflection? And in Christian world, we, we use this term accountability often as a Christian terms. If you didn't grow up in church, that might be a, a little bit of a new term for you, but this idea of accountability, like having relationships that have a measure of accountability in them. Now, for some of you, you love that word. You're like, oh yeah, I love that word. And for others of you, it strikes fear in your heart because you're like, I've been, in the relation, I've been in an accountability relationship. It was not happy. I didn't like it. And I think this is the reason why, because accountability if it's done right, it should be like my grandfather was talking about knife. It should make it easier for us to love. And it should be a reflecting pool, a place to measure gaps. It should be a place that we can go with a reflecting pool of others, go, okay, this is how I thought I was doing. Now I'm reflecting back and getting an idea of how I'm actually doing. You know, I, I think I love well. How well do I actually love? But often I think... We've been in places where, and I, I definitely have even heard this from people, like they've asked me to like be in an accountability relationship with them. And the way they ask me to be, like to hold them accountable, it sounds more like they want me to do this. Okay, hold me accountable. If I don't do it, you know, batter up, right? And, and you've probably had relationships where like this was the theme like, if this is the theme of accountability, you've had these, you have these places in your life, you may have worked for someone, this is the theme, right? I'm going to bludgeon you, you know, to make you into the shape that I want you to be. The problem with the bat is what? I've lost that loving feeling, right? There's no, there's no love in this relationship with the bat. The love comes in only when we can reflect something well, when we have a mirror in our life. And so it's not about 
Accountability shouldn't be about and is not about, and this is not what we're talking about today, as a way to bludgeon good behavior out of someone, to bludgeon them away from bad behavior. Accountability is about something more that transforms us in loving ways, that helps us to look at the life of Christ, that has people around us that help us look and measure by the mirror of Christ's life. Because what did he say? Love people as I have loved you. In other words, the reflection that you're looking for is, as Christ loved me, how am I loving others? You're going to need people in your life to help you with that. There's a lot at stake here for you to be able to do that. But the key to it, and this is if you want to look inside your outline this morning that you'll find in the scoop, you can follow along because we're going, to, we're going to talk about the key to this. And I think one of the keys to accountability is in this idea of giving permission. That we need to, in order for this to work, in order for us to want a reflection, we need to give permission. And we need to give permission for others to speak into our life, to say, I, I, I am giving you permission. Because it is, and the only way this works is, well, there's, I think there's two important things. One is, this works, giving permission to others works if you're serious about loving like Jesus. If you're not serious about loving like Jesus, you don't want to give, you don't want to give permission to people in your life. You don't want to hear about it, right? You don't want to know about the gaps. You have to be as serious about checking for your ravishing good looks as you are your spirituality and saying, how do I look, really? How do I actually live? What's this look like in my life? And it's important for you to recognize that you also need to give that permission to the right people, to the right people in your life. So let's talk a little about what, who are the right people? Who are the right people in your life? Who are the people that help you reflect as well? Because if you're not careful, <coughs> excuse me, you get a mirror like this, and so this mirror came out of my son's room, okay? Now, um, I don't want to tell you how much I had to clean this mirror before I came <laughs> and what may have been on the mirror before I came. You can imagine. They were teenagers, right? So, so oh, that was fun. I, I think that's, that's just going to make some of you nervous the rest of the time, isn't it? Like, is he going to kick that over? I'm just going to let that, like, build a tension for you. That's great. So, as we think about this mirror, having the right people is like having the right mirror. Have you ever been into a fun house where, like, the mirrors show you all kind of distortions? If you choose the wrong people in your life, the image you get back might be distorted. They might not be speaking honestly into your life. What you risk is getting a distorted image. Like, you're not really loving well because the person coming back to you has a distorted image of what that even looks like. And so it's important for you to pick the right people to reflect people who are encouragers in your life, who are people who are safe, who are people who are honest, who are people who want as much as you do something really important to the following of Jesus. Like if you're a Christian, and this is what Paul's going to tell us, is this, if you're a Christian, there's an essential component to this that makes all the difference to being a good mirror. And here's what Paul says about it. I just want to read the first part of Colossians 3.16. He says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. What's that tell you about the right people in your life? Who are the right people? How do you know who the right people are? Let the message of Christ dwell richly. Look around you for where the message of Christ is dwelling richly. Look around you at the people that you care about that the message of Christ in them dwells richly. Look around for other people who have the desire for the message of Christ to dwell in them richly, and you'll begin to find the right people. 
Now, this is so important to me in, in my own experience that when my kids were 13 and we did like our little manhood ceremony, one of their graduations into manhood, um, I, we, one of the things, the, the emphasis during that whole season was this idea of choose your friends wisely. And so we had some friends go along on that. We talked to them. I had some of my friends come along and talk to them about it. So I told them, listen, friends will help determine destiny in your life. You choose the right friends in your life who can speak into your life and will be honest and will, will help you, reflect to you how you're doing really with God, what kind of life you're going to live, and you will have a great life. You'll have the life that God wants for you, but you choose the wrong friends for that. You invite the wrong people in, and you get a distorted view, and things are going to go sideways really quickly. So I really want to encourage you guys, choose the right friends. And I got to tell you that I, I believe they had. They, they did a great job of choosing some really good relationships in their life. The right people here aren't perfect people. I'm not talking about people that have it all together. And in my experience, here's what, here's what these people look like to me. People whose message, the message of Christ is dwelling richly. They're dreamers. What I mean by that is they're able to see what promises are in the Gospels. They're able to see what the Scripture says we could be. And they say, how could that be fully realized in your life? And they can dream with you about that. They can say, that could be true of you. They're honest. They're people who are so honest. Just they're honest with themselves and they're honest with you. When you ask them, hey, what do you think, how am I doing in this area? They don't, they don't go, oh, I think you're great. When secretly, you know, the conversation in their head is, oh my gosh, you're so terrible in this area. This is terrible. Like, no, they're honest. They're saying, hey, can I be honest with you about that? I'd love to be honest with you about that. They're truth seekers. They're people who say, I want to seek a reflection. And you can tell that, you can tell when someone wants Jesus so badly that they are seeking that, right? That they're like, I want to know the truth. I want to seek it. I want to be like Jesus. I want Jesus to transform me. And they're listeners. If, they're, if you're a good listener, you're a good mirror. You can't be a good mirror without being a good listener. You've got to be able to listen to people. So if you want to know how you're doing at this, here, here's a suggestion. Parents, this is a great one. So if, if, you're, if you're a parent and you want to know how you're doing at this, next time your child calls you out on something you say but don't do, ask yourself, how did I receive that? Right? Like, did I defend it? Did I, my dad used to say, well, well do as I say, don't, not as I do. Right? Like, like don't, like, how do you receive that? Have you given out permission for others to reflect back to you what's really going on? Are you interested, are you more interested in defending your position or saying, I want to dwell richly in Christ? I want the message of Christ to dwell richly in me. See, it comes down to choice. Now, the same is true with any relationship we have that there's going to be some tension there, okay? And, and there's a reason for that. If you live with someone, right, if they're your sibling or your spouse, or your parent. There's just a lot at stake there. And so receiving this message might be more, more, more challenging. So what, here's what I want to encourage you. You need to give those people permission too. But there needs to be some people in your life. Some of the right people in your life are people that are outside those circles because, listen, you know this. You, you don't have as much patience with the people that you live with as the people you don't, right? Because you live with them. And so you're like, this has to change. This can't go on. And like, you want to be patient with them, but you're facing it every day. But there are going to be people in your life that are really important, friends that can come alongside you and, 
they don't have as much at stake in this changing quickly, and so they're able to step back from that, and they're able to be honest with you. And you know what? If you're mad at them for a day, it doesn't matter because they don't sleep with you. They don't hang out with you. They're not doing your dishes, right? But they're able to say, I'll be here. Like, you can be, you can be frustrated with me telling you this, but I'm still going to be here. I'm still going to show up. You need those kind of people, those kind of relationships in your life. So my question is just this. Who's that someone for you that you can be vulnerable with? Do you have that person that you can be really vulnerable with? Do you have some of those people in your life that you've given permission to, that they know you so badly want to be like Jesus, that they have permission to really be honest with you and that you've given them that permission? That they can offer a challenging word to you and you can receive it. That you can just say from them like, I, I just received that word. I just want to sit with that because I trust your opinion. Now, accountability. It's giving permission to the right people. But Paul goes on to tell us a little bit about what does that look like? How do we do this in Colossians? And so I want to explore this idea of giving permission to the right people to ask the right questions. To ask the right questions. The questions are so important. And, and when it comes to evaluating gaps, in our life, let's be honest, in our relationships, it's a little intimidating, isn't it? To evaluate those gaps, to say, where am I coming up short? And if you're a person who is asked to help evaluate that gap, you know, someone says, hey, can you help me be honest about this? Or you see something in your friend's life or you're someone else, person's in your life that's a Jesus follower, and you're like, I want to help them with this. I, I have this sense of, like, there's something here that ought to be changed that I need to call out of them. It's a little intimidating. You can feel hypocritical, like, who am I? Like, I don't do that well. Who am I to talk to them about that? Or you can feel, like, judgmental. Like, if I say this, it's just going to come off judgmental. I'm just not going to say it. So here's what I think we do most of the time. We get nervous and we just go, mm, I think I'll just tolerate it, right? Like, like, that bad behavior that doesn't feel like Jesus, I'll just tolerate it. Maybe somebody else will tell them. Maybe they'll discover it some other way. But I don't want to be that person. Or we say, I don't, I don't want to receive that information because I don't want to know about it. And so we continue to do, do things badly. So the thing is, is that when I think about love and the way Jesus loved, that doesn't seem very loving to me. Does it to you? To just let someone be that way? Like, so for instance, if, if you had a middle schooler and they didn't shower for three days and put on deodorant and they were going to school, would it be loving to let them go to school like that? Is that loving, to let them go to school like that? Or if your friend comes out of the bathroom and they've got toilet paper stuck to their shoe and they're walking, right? Is it loving to let them walk with the toilet paper on their shoe or do you say, let me help them, let me get that off you, right? Like that's, a, that's not love, to, not, to just let them go around it. And love means that we want the best for people. Love means that we want the message of Christ to dwell richly in people. Love means that we look at their lives and we say, there is joy that they are missing. There is freedom that could be had. There are relationships that could be restored. I want that for them. And I think I have something that could help them. I could reflect something good to them. And so here's what I've learned. So Paul says this way. Paul says, you need to, you need to let the message of Christ dwell richly in each other. And here's how. As you teach and admonish one another. Now, listen, I, I've never been much for, for academics. Like, I, I've gone to a lot of academics. I've been in a lot of school a long time. I love to learn. But sitting in a room with lots of lectures, 
which is kind of ironic, right, because I do it every Sunday. But <laughs> why maybe I just like to, which is why maybe I have lots of sidetracks when I do it. But anyway, the idea of just sitting there for hours and just like sterile, like it doesn't, it doesn't engage me. It doesn't excite me. But the best teachers I have had in my life are the ones who ask great questions. They might give some great information, but they ask great questions. Questions that stop me in my tracks. And I go, questions that make me reconsider my whole framework about how I thought about something. Those are the great teachers in my life. I find that the right question is better than the right answer. Especially as it comes to your walk with Christ, because it's so dynamic. It's so different for each one of us. God made you very uniquely. What works for me may not work for you. But the question might be the same. The questions that you struggle with in your faith are the questions that others also need to be asking. And we need to share our questions with each other. I mean, the point of teaching, right, isn't just to get good advice. It's to reframe who we are. This is what Paul is saying. Like, I want you to sharpen. I want you to reframe this. I want you to invest into each other. And so think about your questions. Next time that you're like, you see something difficult in someone's life, instead of thinking about how am I going to teach them what the right thing to do, maybe it's just how am I going to help them wrestle with the right question? What's the questions I asked myself in that season that helped me? Maybe I can talk with them about some of those questions. Paul goes on to say, don't just teach, but admonish one another. Now, admonish is not a word that we use a lot, so here's the definition of admonish. Admonish is defined this way, to warn someone firmly, advise or urge someone earnestly. Did you catch all that? To warn someone firmly or advise or urge someone earnestly. Yikes. Like, what's that like? To, to go and warn someone earnestly? That sounds a little bit more like the bat instead of the mirror. And yet... If we're going to actually have these warnings stick, we need, to, we need to deal with something in our life because I think the danger that our warnings, our urgent warnings, feel like this to someone come from assumptions. Here's what I mean. So you are very unique. So is everybody else. You have a unique set of experience. And so when you look at someone else's life and you see something that's where the message of Christ isn't dwelling richly, it's easy for you to assume that their reasons for doing it, their motivations are the same as yours. That might not be true. You make assumptions. You leap to those assumptions, right? And that's dangerous. And here's why. Let me illustrate. So so when Susie and I were in our 20s and we had just bought our Dodge Durango, and so it wasn't 18 years old like it is now. It was brand new, right? And it just, Durango's just come out, and we went on vacation to the beach. And we were there with Scott and Carmen Biggs and, we, were, we went up in this at Outer Banks, you know the lighthouse um, up in Corolla-ish, up there? Okay, we went up in the lighthouse, and we parked the Durango down there, and we're up in the lighthouse, and there's a few other people up there with us, and we thought we were just so cool because there were people that were down there looking at the Durango because they'd never, like, not, there weren't a lot of people driving Durangos at that point, so they're, like, they're over there looking in the windows, and we had never had a car with a car alarm before, and so... Susie got this fantastic idea. She's like, hey, hey, this is going to be great. Watch this. And so every time they came up to it, she'd set off the car alarm, and then they'd back up, and she turned it off. 
And, and we did this for a little while, and we're giggling and laughing about it, and we're assuming that we're just up there by ourselves having a great time until these people come up beside us, and they're like, yeah, those are our friends. And we're like, oh, oh, sorry, we've been totally toying with your friends down there. And then they had a good laugh, too, about it. But the point is, we all make assumptions. And when those assumptions are wrong, we come off pretty bad, harsh to people. We... We make assumptions that then make our advice wrong. We're about to tell them, like, here's what you should do about this. Here's what, and it comes off judgmental. Why? Because we don't understand what's going on. And so we come back to the right questions. When you want to admonish someone, it's best to start with questions. It's best to say, like, hey, I'm not going to assume anything here. I'm just going to say, why don't you tell me more about that? What if we just said things like, I see this in your life, and I just want to hear a little bit more about that. I see, this, I see this gap. Why is that important to you? Why do you go about life that way? Tell me more about that. Let them explain it. Then be a good mirror to them. Ask some more questions about what you see. Think about yourself in this arena and say, what questions would I be asking? What questions would I want someone to ask of me? But again, this only works if we're willing to give each other permission. If we're willing to say the message of Christ is so important to dwell in us richly that we're willing to give others permission. And if we don't, we have to understand what's at risk here. And Paul says it really well in Ephesians when he actually says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. In other words, what's at risk here is people seeing who Christ really is. What's at risk here is you actually growing to be who Christ is. What's at risk here is for people to see the church and actually see Jesus in the church. And it comes down to are we willing to speak the truth in love? To always be a mirror for each other. Now, accountability is important to sharpening that, that thing, to ask the right people the right questions. But this, this third thing I want to talk to you about is at the right time. And Paul says this. He says to teach and admonish each other with all wisdom. In other words, timing is important. Now, some of you have gotten the wrong advice at the wrong time. Have you ever gotten the wrong advice at the wrong time? Like the time that someone told me how to light firecrackers in the car and toss them out the window, but the window wasn't down, right? Like, that's the wrong advice at the wrong time. Like, timing's important. Or the time that someone was trying to tell me how to cheat on an English test in the front row during the exam. Like, that's the wrong advice at the wrong time. And some of you have gotten probably done this too. You've probably given the right advice at the wrong time, which also goes badly. For example, for example if, if you're a parent and you've tried to give your spouse parenting advice in front of your children, how'd that go? <laughs> you have to apologize afterwards? Like your idea might have been genius, right? But you still had to apologize because it was the right advice at the wrong time. And so it's important that we understand that timing is important. And that's why Paul says, Teach and admonish each other with wisdom. We always feel a sense of urgency in this, and we should with each other's lives. Say, I feel a sense of urgency to help you to find freedom. I feel a sense of urgency when I see something in your life that doesn't belong to help you on that journey. And urgency is good, but Paul says, with wisdom. Now, what's wisdom? Wisdom is understanding how to, like, you can have knowledge, but wisdom is, how do I apply that knowledge? When do I apply that knowledge? Like, my dog has knowledge. My dog knows when it has to go to the bathroom. The problem is it doesn't have wisdom. It doesn't know the timing is when you get outside. 
off my porch, right? That's the issue. And we have the same issue sometimes in our life. We don't know the good timing. So let's talk about two parts of timing that's important. One is when we feel that sense of urgency, we should feel it, but it should be an urgency from God. And so here's my caution. When you feel that sense of urgency in your life of like, I see this in this person's life, I feel like they're just going to go off the train tracks and I want to address this or I see this thing in their life and I want to ask them a good question. Ask yourself this question first. Is that sense of urgency something that's coming from God? Something that is for them. In other words, I want to protect them. I want to help them. Or do you have something at stake in this? And if you do, then I suggest you get that squared away first. In other words, if, if reforming them is just going to help you, and that's your, really more of your motivation, let me help you be better to me. That's where we get a little mixed up in our motives. And it doesn't always come off loving because it's not really about them. So we need to make sure that, God, what are you doing here? And the second part is just, what's God doing in them? What, how is God working in them? How do you have a sense of, what God, what's God's spirit doing in them? How tender are they to this moment? What's really happening here that then I can speak into their lives? Because it's important for us to align with what God's doing. Now, for those of you who probably... so. I imagine that there's two ends of a spectrum here. There's those of you who lean into truth really hard, right? You're like, I am going to tell you the truth. Like, you need to know this, and it's very natural for you. And there are those of you who have more mercy and compassion or just like, I, I think I'd rather tolerate than speak the truth into your life. And in the middle someplace is the place where truth and love come together. But if you want timing to be important, then I, I just, you just need to understand, I think, this. It will never be perfect. There will never be a perfect time for you to say something. If your expectation is, I'll say it, and then they'll just receive it, and it'll be great, and we'll be happy, and buddies, like, it, it probably won't go that well. But if you lean into God, and if you lean into love, if your heart is tender towards God and tender towards them, God will honor that. God's goodness is so much greater than you, he will always make up where you lack. God will do amazing, miraculous things with what you want to speak if your heart is tender towards him and if your heart is tender towards them and if your motivation is, I, it's not about me, this is about I want you to dwell in Christ richly. I want the message of Christ to dwell in you richly. It'll change everything. This is one of God's greatest desires for our life that we might be formed into the image of Christ, that we might love like Jesus. And we need to learn to measure it well. We need to learn to be mirrors for each other. And if you'll pray and ask God for, to provide those people, I believe that he will. But I do believe that it's important to have people in your life. Bonhoeffer, um, who was a great, a great theologian during World War II, he actually said that there are, there are two sides to our growth in Christ. One is solitude and one is community. One is people and relationships. And you can't have one without the other. If you're the person who just goes into solitude and just has this relationship with God, you know what they don't have? A reflecting pool to say, is this really working out in my life? So it's easy to deceive themselves and say, I feel great. Every, I love people. I, I'm really good right now. And then they get in relationship with people and they find out I'm not, uh, it's not as, hasn't penetrated as deeply into my person as I thought. And so he was right when he said, we need to love each other well. We need both solitude 
and we need community. So my question for you this morning, who are those people in your life? Who are people in your life that you can be a mirror to? Maybe, where are you at in your life, and have you given people permission? Are you open to that reflection? Do you so desire that the message of Christ would dwell in you richly, that you're open to hear input, to receive words to you to say, I want to be more like Jesus. That will change my life. And if you want that, if you desire that, then let me encourage you to seek out longer-term relationships. And here's what I mean by that. Have you ever been to a party um, in someone's house, like a big party? When you go into the room where everybody is talking and chatting, what's the level of honesty in that environment? It's pretty low, right? Like there's lots of conversations and people are in fun. The level of honesty is pretty low. Where do you go if you want to find the relationships that have honesty? Maybe to the living room, to the room where people are sitting on couches. Or maybe if you really want to find it, you go to the kitchen. Well, there's just a few people face-to-face, right? They're having honest conversations. And you need the same thing in your walk with Christ. Some of you just come to it, you're just in a bigger environment like this on Sunday. And this is great. And we gather together and we worship with God and God speaks to us. And it's beautiful. But you need to have some relationships in your life that are longer term. You need to have some relationships that you can actually reflect on. And to do that, you're going to have to move to some of those smaller rooms. Now, at daybreak, we call those small groups. And so I want to encourage you. Like, that's the reason we come back to it all the time. You need long-term community. Get into a small group. Because that's where these relationships happen. That's where you can grow and be changed by God. That's where people care for you and they speak into your life. That's where one another's are practiced. And if you're in a small group, find a kitchen space. In other words, find a few people, a few called-out companions from that place. You can say, hey, let's do breakfast regularly together. Hey, let's check in with each other. Let's get honest with each other. But what I will tell you is that this is not a, it's not a microwave. If you want these kind of relationships, and I have some of these really rich relationships in my life, and it's taken 15 or 20 years to develop. It's not a microwave. It's a crock pot. You're going to have to get in there, and you're going to have to stick. In it. And you're going to have to be open to it. And so here's the response that I want to call you to this morning. If you want to be closer to Christ, if you want to be closer to who, how he loves you, then I want to call you this morning to think about how am I going to respond to him? How am I going to love him well? And so this morning, you can, you'll pull out your response card. You'll find your little heart sticky on there. A couple things I would call you to. One is, if you're not in a small group, if you're not on a ministry team, if you're not somewhere where you're building relationships, then check that on here today. We'd love to help you get that journey started. We'd love to help you take a next step there. But I want, you, I want you to really be challenging yourself this morning to say, who's in my life that I've given permission to? What's my next step? Maybe your next step is give permission to some people in your life. Maybe it's actually starting to build some relationships with those people. You need to write down their name. Maybe there's some next steps that you need to say, like, I need to become a better questioner. I need to ask better questions. But the question really is this. If you want to dwell in the message, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly and love people like that, what are you going to do next to have that happen? It's not going to happen on its own. It's not by accident. It's by building the right people with the right questions at the right time into our lives. What's it going to take for you to build that into your life? So let me take a moment, and I just want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray and ask God to do that in our lives, and I want to give you some time to respond as we worship you join me in prayer?
Lord Jesus, we love you. We want to be closer to you. We want to reflect your love. So God, help us to love others like you did, Jesus. Jesus, help us to speak into our lives. And help us to be so confident, God, that you love us. So confident that you have adopted us, that you want us as your children. So confident that your forgiveness has set us free. That we're willing to give others permission to reflect you in our lives. To say, to show the gaps in our lives between where we love like you do and where we don't. Help us to be, have courage, God, to ask each other good questions. Help us to give us patience. The same kind of patience, God, that you have. Help us to have that same kind of patience with each other. To let the Holy Spirit work in our lives. At the pace the Holy Spirit is ready to work in our lives. At the pace that we're ready to move at. God, we don't want to be people who prod others along or bludgeon them with a bat. We want to be people who love well. People that even in speaking the truth, reflect the love of Christ so that others, when they receive the truth, feel loved by you even more than they did before. Help us to want the best for each other. Help us to sharpen each other so that loving becomes easier with each other and with others. And God, be clear to us about inviting us to what those next steps are and help us to have the courage to take them. In Jesus' name.